1: What's up, everybody? You're tuned into the Roto-Grinders NFL Food for Thought podcast. I am your host, Justin Carlucci, and I'm here bringing the noise with the chief, Will Priester. Another week of football and gambling and fantasy sports is just about in the books, and there is never a dull moment, my friend. How was your holiday weekend, chief?
2: Man, it was good. I just got to spend some time with my girl, spend some time with my family, open presence um and watch the girls um you know I I just it it was fun man I, I I can't I love hanging out with those sweet little kids and it was just a blessing you know um it is what it is great time food was good we get it yeah awesome
1: awesome weekend you know Spending time with the family and friends. I know we talked to talked to the people a couple of weeks ago about, hey, send that extra text, make that call, spend some time. And, you know, this is the time of the year to do that stuff. And it's a pleasure hopping on these podcasts with you. And you know what? You know, I was thinking about my goal with this thing is, of course, we want to be entertaining and bring that barbershop feel. But And, of course, a lot of people that are also tuned in know sports or no fantasy sports or know both. But if I could bring one different perspective that you didn't think about before this podcast started, that maybe got the wheels turning, then I consider that a success. And when I talk to people like you, Chief of the industry, that I'm buddies with and I respect when we talk, and if I could learn one new thing from you, another perspective, because with the way this league is, if you would have told me Houston would have beat the Chargers, I would have called you crazy, but I would have respected your opinion. Things like that. Just learning and hearing and, there's a million different reasons to to play a certain person in DFS or pick a side or an, or an over or a side
2: Kit Kat commercial.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh and, and that, that's our goal here, folks. Like
2: the chief says, this ain't your mama's podcast. And it's your mama's podcast. I look, and, and I appreciate everybody that's been able to hang out with us and, and kind of understand that, look, we, we want to give you some, some, some food for thought for the week, right? A few things to think about. Um, I I think, man, you know, reflecting on this year and how the season's gone and, you know, all the fun I've had on this podcast, I I think, I think it's, it's been a success, you know, by our standards to be able to come on and, uh, almost like a little bit of, you know, morning radio, right. Uh, you know, we've got, our got our own feel, our own nuggets, our own rants, our own rabbit holes. Uh, it's. Because this this season is winding down, folks. The food yeah. for thought NFL version is is on its way out the door, um, unless we do some 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 playoff stuff. So I, you know, I, I just I'm, I guess I'm taking this time to reflect on the season and think about all the all the fun I've had, and I, I mean, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and, and thanks a lot for everyone you know uh, who's listened, uh, giving us feedback. Um, the whole nine, man. We, we appreciate you guys. This pod doesn't make it without you. So yeah, thanks we, a bunch.
1: And we made a, a ton of friends. We, we, you know, got some DMs from some listeners and uh, had some conversations. And we appreciate you guys. And feel free to hit us up anytime. If you want to just shoot the breeze, say hi. See how, you know, we want to see how you're doing, too. If you got any fantasy questions, you know, hit us up as well. But, yeah, it's it's been, it's been a long journey. This season has been chaotic, and there's been a ton of great conversation. And, yeah, hopefully we can continue this because, you know, as the listeners know by now, we like to talk some X's and O's and some trade destinations and touch upon the league drama a little bit and free agency and, you know, uh, just we like to go into it a little further than just the projections you see on your screen every week because, let's face it, this podcast dropping on a late Monday night And the game start on Sunday, you know, five days in in the current state of the NFL is an eternity with how much news is breaking by the by the half hour anymore. So it's almost like we're just rather be a little more entertaining, give you some potential good game environments. I mean, it's a ton of hypotheticals at this point, folks, for sure. And uh, also, good luck to those who were fortunate enough in your season long leagues to survive to the league championship games I guess I could say there were a lot of fascinating league winners in best ball advancing and in GPP winners this week I mean we're talking Rex Burkhead chief we're talking the stops were out the rabbits were out of the hat last week in the NFL
2: yeah for sure So, so many I mean here's what I'll say and this is something that, you know, I've heard on ESPN. And hopefully they don't have this patented. Please forgive us, guys. We're not trying to steal your material. I think it's relevant for the situation. Here we go. It's a make or miss league. Used to get that on the jump with uh, Rachel Nichols, Paul Pierce, that crew. Uh, Matt Barnes used to be on there. And I know this isn't an NBA podcast, but it's a make or miss league. Here's what I mean by that. Week to week, different things are happening. There's so many moving parts, right? And when I look over the standings, and I feel like that's almost, I feel like I have wanted to lead in with this portion or, or this part of the conversation every week, because as we've gotten closer to the end of this thing, the standings have become more and more and more relevant. I think we talked about a really big game last week that we thought was coming up. Um, We talked about chargers chiefs and how if the chargers were able to handle business, right. They they could have been in in a spot to do something really, really interesting. If the chiefs wake up today and they're 10 and five and the chargers are, you know, nine and six, you know, we're, we're starting to get some, some, some discussion going or, or shall I say, if the Chargers wake up and you know it's they're both tied, right? Same old Chargers came out Sunday, Mister Mister Carlucci, and lose to Davis Mills and the Houston Texans. I mean, every week one of these debacles happens. Every no team is exempt, Luch. It's, it's just, did it happen at the wrong time, right? The Titans got theirs out of the way early, and or a few out of the way, at the right time. Lost early to the Jets. What in the world is happening? It's a meltdown in Tennessee. They rattle off five or six wins, and then they lose again to, they lose to, they should not have lost. They lost, lost
1: to it. Houston in a monsoon without anybody. They, they had nobody. Yeah but yeah. they turned the ball over four times and it was a meltdown. The Steelers, I mean, Same thing, meltdown. That's what I'm
2: saying. Yep. Here's the thing, and I'm using Tennessee as an example. The difference between Tennessee and these other folks is they've been leading the division most of the season. Meanwhile, the Ravens have just handed, handed their division to the Bengals by losing But also by not kicking extra points at the end of two different games. Could you imagine if the Ravens were 10 and five right now instead of eight and seven? Okay. The Chargers have a meltdown at the end of the season. What else is new? They're eight and seven. Chiefs have rattled off eight straight. What if I told you the Raiders and the Chargers are both tied in division at eight and seven? Unbelievable. And last but not least, what I thought was the game of the week, Luce. Bills versus Patriots. Bills have now won two straight. I told everybody they weren't going to lose to the Panthers. They did not, of course. I I knew they weren't going to lose that game. And they come and take care of business with the Patriots. And now they're 9-6. Bills are atop the division. They've already beat the Dolphins twice. Even if the Dolphins win tonight, it all comes down to this. Do the Dolphins win tonight? Do they win next week, Luke? And then now the Patriots and Dolphins at the end of the season is another one of those pivotal moments. Are the Patriots going to go to Miami and get, the, and get the wind knocked out of them with all the humidity? TBD, to be determined. So many fascinating things. Last but not least, Luch, and I'll hand it over. Hopefully I didn't say last but not least before. (laughs) Um, That would have been a time-space continuum moment for those of you that have been hanging with us for a few weeks. The Dallas Cowboys come out on Sunday night football, and I mean put an old-school slobber knocker on the Washington football team. Do they come out this week and have a meltdown, lose? Is, is that what happens here? Do they come out and have a meltdown? They're eleven and four in the division. They've won four in a row. The Eagles have won three in a row.
1: I mean, I don't know. Can I say I don't know? I, I don't. At this point, I don't know. I need I need to see who gets put on COVID reserve and what happens the rest of the week, and maybe collect some thoughts. But you make a really really great point. I'm going to give you a lot of coach speak right now, but I don't know how else to phrase it, but everybody in that 11 on 11 matters in the NFL. You see a team miss one piece of the offensive line. This guy's fallen. You see a team missing a number one wide out. This guy's fallen. God forbid to miss the quarterback for a game. You're toast pretty much. How the Tennessee Titans won without three linemen against the 49ers. I think that sums up the the team sport that we are so addicted to watching every week for about six months out of the year. There's so much scheming involved, so much coaching, so much preparation, so much attention to detail. It It's tough. It's been a tough year to take sides for most people in these games. I would say 90 of the entire world would say Chargers money line is a no-brainer or Chargers to win is a no-brainer. There's so much momentum in a a sport where you get 17 regular season games now. That is such a small sample size. You talk about 17 games in baseball, you say, 17 games. You can't tell anything from 17 games. You talk about 17 games in the NBA, 17 games can't tell anything from a 17-game sample size. How are you really supposed to gauge an NFL team for 17 games? The tricky thing is, and you were kind of alluding to it, momentum at the right time, being healthy at the right time. The Colts were decimated earlier the season. The Titans were fortunate enough to, fortunate enough to defeat the Colts twice. And I'm not saying they would lose to the Colts this time of the season, but I would much rather have faced the Colts earlier in the year when they were figuring it out. than right now, and I'm just using them as an example, the chargers. Boy, Oh boy. You lose Mike Williams. You lose Austin Eckler. You already have a defense, a defense that is kind of one dimensional. And in that sense, I'm alluding to their scheme of kind of just allowing the run game and playing nothing over the top. Well, Rex Burkhead said, no, 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 career career day for Rex Burkhead on the other side of 30. We're going to carve the blueprint for the rest of the NFL and, and see what kind of, you know, go back to the film and check out what kind of gap or zone runs we were slamming through San Diego with. Momentum and health at the right time is so big. And I think we can go back to, How about like the 2007 Giants? It's so strange, the NFL, how things can click and things can change. The Giants won the Super Bowl that that year. They lost their first two games of the season. And they lost the last two of three to end the regular season. They get in as the wild card, second in the NFC East. And they run the table and win the Super Bowl. That, that sounds a lot like modern 2021, modern day NFL that we're dealing with right now, Chief. It's it's just amazing to look at. So I think everybody is live that gets in the big dance this season, man. It's going to be a hell of a postseason.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I agree. The thing is, it's, you know, who, who's getting in? I mean, we know certainties, right? So like the Rams are already in, the Cardinals are in, the Packers are in, the Bucks are in. They've already clinched the division. The Bucs Bucks have clinched, clinched the division at eleven and four. Packers have clinched at twelve and three, so we don't have to worry about that. Cardinals and Rams are in. Neither has clinched just yet. Cardinals lost three in a row though. That's another sneaky story, underlying story that maybe we'll talk about another day. Cowboys are eleven and four, and they've pretty much you know in a sense run away with the division. There are going to be some big matchups here coming up. And uh I'm 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 really excited to see how this all unfolds at, at the end of the season. Um if you were to you know look at you know the playoff picture uh as it stands right now. And I'm 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 pulling this up, guys, as we're on the show here. I should have had this one ready. Didn't think we wouldn't think we would hit the playoff picture, but um no, I don't want to subscribe. As it stands right now, um, Chiefs are number one, they get the bye, and the Packers get the bye. Right? So both of these teams are hey, we're not playing. And then you start looking at all these other teams and who they have. These are the on the bubble teams. Um, or teams that, yeah, teams are on the bubble Chargers, Raiders, Dolphins, Steelers, Browns, Broncos. And on the bubble just means not eliminated. And then in the NFC, on the bubble, Saints, Vikings, Falcons, Washington. They're on the bubble. In the hunt, 49ers, Eagles. In the hunt, in the AFC, Titans at 10 and 5. More than likely, I think what's happening there is we're waiting to see who's going to win this division, right? Is it going to be the Titans or the Colts? Whoever wins, they're in. Titans play the 49ers. Colts already done. Tennessee beat the 49ers. No, yeah. They
1: already won. Sorry, 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 so, sorry. So the magic number for Tennessee is one. They, they beat either yeah, Miami. Yeah, they win. They're in. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the Colts have? I like they, have the, they have the. So that Cardinals game. We'll get to the Cardinals. One, one second here. But what a monumental win for the Colts. On, on yeah. the road. And don't look now, the Colts have the Raiders and the Jaguars. That's it. Yeah.
2: I mean, two very winnable games. You anticipate they're actually going to beat the Jaguars for sure. Are they going to beat the Raiders is the question. Probably so. They're at home. Anyway, the
1: floor is yours, my
2: friend.
1: I agree. It's a jumbled playoff picture. Uh, I think, you know, just looking at this from a macro point of view, Lamar must really be hurting if he wasn't able to go this week. And Joey Bengals lit him up, didn't take his foot off the gas. And the Bengals jump up to the three seed, 9-6. A team that I feel like, you know, we talked about earlier this season. I think we should talk about the Bengals is, you know, kind of searching for their identity throughout the year. Were they going to turn it over to Joe? Are they going to keep pounding the ball, mixing? Who do they want to be? Can they find that perfect balance? I think back to about a month and a half, two months ago, the Bengals played the Browns, and, and on the goal line, Burrow threw a terrible pick six to Denzel Ward. And I thought there was a bit of identity crisis there. But it seems like the Bengals and Joe Burrow uh, have got their swagger back, and this aerial attack has been impressive. Granted, the Baltimore secondary is in complete shambles. We're going to see how battle-tested this Bengals team really is. And I think they're the most fascinating team to watch down the stretch because they play Kansas City at home this week as four-point dogs. And I think we're going to start to tell a lot about both teams in this game because the story of Kansas City's second half is – The defense is much improved. Mahomes doesn't have the same problems. This is a prove-it game for both teams. And two of Kansas City's super impressive games were both against the Raiders, who the Chiefs have used as punching bags in both games they've played against this season. The Steelers' deficiencies and flaws, and most specifically Ben Roethlisberger and not sustaining drives, was on full display last week. And the Chiefs played it perfectly. Credit their scheme, credit their game plan defensively, uh, which gave Mahomes many possessions, and he didn't even need—he didn't even need Travis Kelsey. He didn't even need Tyreek Hill, who barely contributed. Clyde Edwards-Helaire got hurt again; didn't need him. What's it going to be when Mahomes plays this gritty Bengals team, who are much better defensively, and on the flip side? Are we going to see Joe Joe Bengals, here I am actually calling him Joe Bengals, continue to make that ascension into an upper-tier quarterback? We want to see him string a couple of games in a row. I'm not talking 500 yards and five touchdowns. Whoever wins this game, I think, is going to have a great deal of momentum uh, moving forward. And uh, that's one thing you don't want to give the Chiefs on top of their current one seed is more momentum. Are you excited for this one?
2: Yeah, speaking of which, let me say this. It's a mean street out here in the props game, people. Especially when you take Joe Mixon over, I think, I don't know, 66, 67, 68, 69 and a half rushing, whatever it was. And they're up at least 20 points in the fourth quarter. And Joey Bagels just keeps pushing the ball down the field, scoring touchdowns. Not only that. Uh, Joe Mixon gets like a 50-something yard reception at the end of the game. So much pain. At any rate, here we go. This is a big game. This is, this is a big game, not necessarily as much for the Chiefs, but for the Bengals. This is a chance for them to see exactly where they're going to line up. Um, should be a really, really big spot for them here. Uh, the game's going to have to be working in all facets, right? There's no no room for error here. It's got to be working in all facets of the game, and I think it will. I think they'll be fine, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Great receiver trio of Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Burroughs finally dispersing the volume and keeping the, the defense on their toes, man. Tyler Boyd had a very quiet first half, a couple of massive plays the last couple of weeks. And we can kind of tie this in with daily fantasy sports because the Bengals double stack was everywhere in contest winners and in a couple of season-long winners. But the QB wide receiver, wide receiver, double stack with the Bengals finished everywhere in the top 0.1% pretty much of GPPs. What a performance. What a tournament play that Joe Burrow was. What are your thoughts on this Bengals aerial attack? Is it kind of hard to pinpoint where the volume is going? So, you know, it makes sense to maybe double stack if you like the passing game and you don't know where it's going and you want, if you think Burrow balls out, you know, play both of them if they're fairly priced. It's not like you're paying two nine K receivers together. I would imagine some of the Bengals are fairly priced and I have to bring up the pricing for this week, but that that's what worked. I mean, shout out to everyone who went that direction. A lot of money was made chief with the Bengals double stack.
2: Yeah, man. And look, that, that's why you play it right. For, for times like this, when things go all the way, right. Where, and, and usually, you know, in my opinion, um, How it usually goes is kind of how it went, right? Imagine, and I'm going to use this as an example, imagine if the Seahawks double stack worked all the time. Typically what we would probably see is you'd look for Tyler Lockett to have eight or nine catches for 80 yards and a touchdown, right? And for DK Metcalf to have five to six catches for 120 yards and a touchdown or two touchdowns. And, and that's right, because those are like the two main guys on the team. The crazy thing about this game, you probably could have run a triple stack. Tyler Boyd had his fair share of, of catches, too. Uh, so did Joe Mixon. I mean, Joe, Joey Bengals threw for f- over 500 yards. All the main guys were getting in on the action.
1: Right. This was an anomaly in terms of, yes. of, of production. Yeah. You know, we're not uh, we're not endorsing the triple stack every week. But th- <laughs> think about week one every year. Week one in DFS, chief, the pricing is so soft. Bad example because obviously it it just hasn't worked out. But you know, Julio Jones and AJ Brown were both 6,300. Like, okay, double stack them because it's a price thing. You're not, it's you know, the Seahawks are last year were eventually priced up where Metcalf and Lock were both like 8,500. And at that point, you're not going to get a ton of upside on a full main slate from both of them. Now they could both have one of them could have a very nice game and the other one could have a ceiling game, but you might not get a takedown, you know, just because of the volume of the past game and the price situation. But, you know, if you look at all these cheap stacks, I mean, if you think th- like, this is maybe another terrible example, but if you think the jets are going to go off, how cheap are all the jets receivers or you think the Jaguars are going to go off with Laquan Treadwell, like you can double stack these guys with their quarterback because they are next to nothing and they're cheap on their team. So just kind of piggybacking enough you know, what the conversation you were starting there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Listen, man, take it away. I, I don't want to. I'm, I'm almost. I'm almost about to push this in the next week here, because of. I think this is another interesting week. Um, like, uh, d- do we start to see some teams give up and and play a few other guys, right? Kind of like the NBA. I'm not saying, you know, but but as the season wanes down, the NBA gets away from its primary starters and gets into alternate starting lineups, right? Do you think, Luch, we see a little bit of dial back from some of these NFL teams? We got 14 games this week, but do you think they say, hey, we're going to close it out strong? How how do you view this going, especially for a team like Washington or the Jets, right, who are are pretty much out of it? Jacksonville. you know, I, i'm i'm just talking about the lower tier team the giants like all these teams atlanta that we know okay we're not getting in how do you think they treat this week or do we think it's just the last game of the season and they say hey guys all this all the big time starters you take a break and we'll we'll get some of these youngsters in there
1: well i think it's situational and that might be a super generic answer but I truly think it is. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. But if you have a marquee starter that you have under contract who is the face of your franchise, and clearly you're not gonna make the playoffs. I I, I think this is screaming Saquon Barkley. Devontae Booker has had a role despite Barkley being back for five weeks. So like, for example, Barkley is someone I'm concerned about. Uh, Devontae Booker, since week 11, snap ca- snap percentage, 36, 17, 35, 41, 44, 54. He played 54% of the snaps last week, although it was a thumping. And without looking, I'm sure he got some fourth quarter blowout burn. At, of course, you want Saquon Barkley out there playing football. It's great for the game. He's a fantastic young player. But look at the injury, the injuries he's accumulated through his first couple of seasons. At what point do you say, Saquon, we need to sit down and talk? Like we might severely limit your workload or you know shut you down. But at this point, like how can you piss off the biggest superstar on your team, the only ceiling type player you have? There has to be a mutual level of understanding. When you go, if you have, first of all, Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman, we're talking about some rocky personnel as it is. So not only do you have to approach this thing the right way, but Saquon Barkley is is one I'm keeping my eye on. And they might not come out and say it. They might not come out and say we're limiting Barkley's snap count, but it is very possible that someone like barkley gets quote you know, for lack of a better term we're going into the hoops lingo here load managed the last two games of the season yeah. playing yeah. for nothing he, he 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 strikes me as someone to watch for here uh, who's on your list here anybody come to mind that you're concerned about
2: uh, really like i said it's it's really just a lot of these guys on some of these teams that i think just that that is just not going to get in like at this point when does Seattle pull Russ out, right? Like, I still don't think Russ has been okay since that finger injury. Um, You know, they're they're just playing Detroit, and and they're probably going to play them this week because they're at home. But, you know, those are just the types of things I'm thinking about where I know in football typically guys fight through until the end. But last game of the season for a veteran like Russ who, you know – perhaps wants to, maybe he wants to sit the game out because it's like, look, man, I've struggled all season with this finger and we fought, but we're not getting in. I'm out of here anyway. Um, you know, and, and maybe, maybe he takes that, that approach. Um, and that, you know, Russ has been a, a consummate professional most of his career, but I, I definitely think he's getting disgruntled and, and I I think Russ wants to change the scenery at this point. I think he feels like the window has, has closed on winning in Seattle or being competitive right? It, it's one thing when you can still be competitive and win 10 to 12 games. It's another one when now you're at the, the bottom of the totem pole almost in that five to eight game range and I think whether they won six games five games uh, let me check it, it has not been pretty for the uh, for the Seattle Seattle they've won five games loops. Five. It, it has not been pretty for the Seahawks. Uh, with, with that being said, I'm going to take us down a rabbit hole temporarily, and then we can get out of here. Temporarily, Looch. Who wins the Russell Wilson sweepstakes? We talked about this a little bit
1: last week, and I know you made a case for the Panthers, and I'm curious if, if you're still thinking that way. Now – ironically over the weekend i think it was pff tweeted out a teaser of of russ in a new orleans jersey but do you see their cap numbers next year they just threw the bag at taysom hill and they they can't there's no way russell wilson goes to new orleans that was just clickbait in my opinion i i don't know maybe let's do this who are who are the three reasonable three most reasonable destinations who are also in position to land a big name quarterback. I think you made a case for your Panthers. Eventually John Elway and company. I know he's not the GM, but he has a ton of pull there. Have to bring in someone like Russell Wilson, because we often talk about the level of skill player. I mean, Noah Fant would be a pro bowler. You know, they just threw the bag at Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy coming back, Javante Williams. You have a, an elite caliber of, supporting cast skill players there dying for someone not named drew lock and no offense teddy bridgewater i hope you have a full return i hope you're healthy another you know scary injury for teddy bridgewater but you know everywhere teddy went after his rookie of the year you know honors and everything you know he's kind of just been a a bridge (laughs) bridgewater's been a bridge it seems like without sugarcoating it neither of those two quarterbacks are the long-term solution in denver You do not want to waste the primes of some of these players. I mean, Cortland Sutton already had a pretty bad injury. Obviously, we were thankful to see him come back and play football. And, you know, he could be performing at an elite level. Is Russell Wilson going to be in Denver? I know people were linking Aaron Rodgers to Denver in the summer. Didn't happen. Russell Wilson. What can Russell Wilson do? He's not going to throw for 350 yards a game. He's a proven winner. He's smart. He doesn't turn the ball over. He plays in cold, rainy, gross weather. There aren't many quarterbacks that can fare in mile high in early January. But Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson strike me as two that would welcome the challenge with open arms. I mean, look at Green Bay. They're undefeated at home this season playing up there in the frozen tundra. I think Russell Wilson to Denver is kind of interesting, Chief. I like it.
2: Um, And... and... (sighs) I think there's a lot of teams that he could go to, right? That That's the thing. Like th- th- there's a lot of teams that he could go to go to one of the teams that I, I, I've also like, and maybe I talked about this last week. I really think he could end up in a Steelers uniform. Um, you know, I, I, and I, I know, you know, I know they've, they've drafted some guys, but I, I think him to the Steelers, Could make some sense, right? Um, I I think they'd have enough money to go out and get him. I definitely think Big Ben is is on his way out. And I think he's still got a good complement of weapons, right? I think Russell Wilson would make Najee Harris better uh, because of his mobility and his ability to to push the ball a little bit. I, I think it would make Deontay Johnson a little better, Chase Claypool just a little better, and not that Big Ben still doesn't have the mental talent, but, you know, his physical, his physical gifts in terms of mobility are, are moving. They, they, they're, they're, they're fading him. So, I, I, you know, you sit on him and you think, you know, man, Russ to the Steelers does make some sense. And then, um, Luch, I think about possible contenders that maybe just need a quarterback, right? Possible, possible contenders possible contenders there's not a lot okay there are not a lot of teams but here could be one of them denver kind of fits that mold absolutely but but here's here's what i'm thinking about you have the los angeles rams you have the detroit lions detroit's going nowhere fast and la is being held back by the quarterback position at the time right and they say okay can we get Matthew Stafford? And they go out and do it. And I feel like they're trying to finance a championship here this year, getting Von Miller and and, and going after some of these these other pieces that that they've they've gone after. And so it's it's win or bust for this team this year, right? Okay. I want to ask you, do you see it? And I I have – I have one in mind, okay? I I have one in mind. Who's the team right now? And I, I, I think you'll figure it out by process of elimination. But outside of the Steelers, there's one team, one, I have in my mind where I say, if this team had a quarterback, if this team had a quarterback, look out. They could be scary, could be scary. They have lost a piece over the course of the season. And man, if if, if, if this piece was still on that team, it, it might've been even a little bit more attractive. You probably know who I'm talking about. The ultimate swap, One team has already got to pay someone and I don't think they're willing to give up the bad, but I do think they give it up for Russell Wilson. If they were willing to do some, some form of a trade and pay sign and swap, whatever, have to be mutual between of course, both teams, both agents. Do you know who I'm talking about Luke? I do.
1: I do. And I think they would have to make a second draft day movie if they turned this thing around in one offseason, got the quarterback. I was just having a a barroom-type conversation over the weekend with a couple of friends, and I said the god-awful irony of trading all the way up to get Baker Mayfield at number one, for that to only be, you're a glaring hole on the entire team just 3 measly years later
2: Luch. could you and look it's it's all it's it's all a fantasy land at this point and that's the beauty of this show if odell beckham was still in cleveland and they were able to acquire russell wilson i do think obj is hurt don't get me wrong he is hurt, but Odell has definitely been more productive in L.A. than he's been in Cleveland this season overall. He's absolutely been more productive, and he's hurt. I know he's hurt, right? I mean, he's got having to lip off the field a few times, but he's been more productive.
1: The, the numbers don't lie. Daddy's mixtape was a winner, the highlight reel his dad put
2: out. He he, I mean, he goes to L.A. I and all of a sudden he can catch touchdowns again. Now, he, weird he how has, that works. He has more help. OK, I, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to negate that. Uh, but it's not like he has Robert Woods there. If Robert Woods was there, man, he's got Van Jefferson and probably the best wide receiver in football in Cooper Cup. And that's it. He's got Tyler Higby. But I'm saying in terms of the receiving core, those are the three guys.
1: we talked on this show. We do talk some analytics and advanced stuff. You look back the past X amount of years. Now, that might have changed. But there's a massive discrepancy in the Baker-Mayfield-Odell-Beckham connection in terms of air yards and actual yards. The biggest discrepancy in the league over like a two-year period of time. Eventually, you just have to point the finger at somebody. There's no reason why Baker could not get Odell the ball. I I just, I'll never figure it out. Odell still looks like a decent route runner. Even if he's playing at 70%, like you were saying, he looks okay. And it's, you know, the domino effect and there's 32 teams in the league and everyone's just every single decision affects somebody else. Every coaching change every free agent acquisition, every trade up, every trade down. Who's left on the board in the draft? Who are we scouting? How good are the scouts? There were a ton of quarterback landmines in that 2018 draft, Chief. Yeah, Yeah. the the Browns traded all the way up to number one. But do you know who went number three? Sam Darnold. Do you know who fell all the way to seven? Josh Allen. And now I don't know... Enough about that particular draft and how and uh, like who and how the bills were grading. But imagine if Allen went high, you know, imagine if Allen went to the Jets and maybe the bills graded Darnold fairly well and he went to Buffalo because you know who was picked at 10? I want to talk about another swing and a miss. How quickly we forget Josh Rosen was an Arizona Cardinal. <laughs> Listen, yeah.
2: Oh, I oh. I, I, I don't forget. And, and and here's the thing. When you look at the whole picture, who's been good out of that draft outside of Lamar Jackson? Quarterback wise? Yeah. Josh Allen. No, no, no. I, I'm, yeah, just the first round, just the first round. How many quarterbacks were drafted?
1: Baker, Darnold, Allen, Rosen, Lamar was 32, that's five. Five quarterbacks. And as of now, the hit rate was 40%. 40%. Which is pretty, is actually probably high for us for, you know, if you if 40% of the quarterbacks are good in the first round, that, that might be high, you know? Yeah.
2: It's only been a couple 40%. of years. 40%.
1: Yeah.
2: 40% okay let's look at the rest of that class I'm so glad you brought that up because this is an important class in that terms a of a
1: very good class look at the names in that class chief Go now, ahead. now
2: yeah let's talk about it and then we'll, we'll close this thing out Luke uh wh- whatever you're ready Baker Mayfield won big trade up hasn't been a bust but has not I don't feel like he's won enough with the talent he's had around him, right? Like Baker isn't elevating the team. He's just in the car for the ride. Does that you get what I'm saying? He's he's not elevating. He's he's just he's just on the bus. He's just there. Nothing against Baker in terms no, of no, but he's the game manager. person. He's the game manager that's not managing. He's just gaming. Right. Right. <laughs> he's just he's just showing up okay. and buckling the chin strap. All right. We've had. Saquon Barkley. Okay, here's my whisper for the week. If Saquon gets hurt again, he's probably a bust. There, I said it. Number two pick in the draft, but consistently on the shelf. The shame. If he gets hurt again, Looch, he's probably officially a bust. We didn't give Greg Oden this much time. Right? Okay. New York Jets select Sam Darnold from Indy. He
1: can't Ruff. put Greg Oden in the same conversation as Saquon. I mean he could, but
2: anyway. I'm talking about injury wise. All right. Greg Oden consistently kept having that back problem and it held him out. Amari Stoudemire, at the end of his career. When do we say, "Hey, Saquon Barkley's just not durable." It's always something, a knee, an ankle, a finger, a toe. A nail is something. Denzel Ward. I think he spanned out pretty well. Uh, Bradley Chubb spanned out really well.
1: Here's the pick. Quentin Nelson.
2: My mm-hmm. gosh. How about that? Don't we all love Quentin Nelson?
1: A part of the Jonathan Taylor success. A big key was yes. right here at number six.
2: Don't we love Quentin Nelson? Well, we sure do. Okay. Then we got. Then we have Josh Allen from the Bills. And then, and that was from Tampa Bay. How the dominoes could have fallen differently. But guess what? He needed to go to Buffalo because we don't know how it would have worked out with the coaching, Correct. right? That's the thing. Coaching is a big deal. Chicago Bears, Roquan Smith, he's worked out brilliantly. I mean, this guy's had 10 tackles a game. I mean, it's big time. Yeah, Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle. I don't know much about him, so I'm not going to comment on it. But the, isn't that something, the difference between Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey? And they probably
1: graded out similarly across the scouting industry, and there might be one or two different unique takes or, or opinions that the general manager has to trust in his team to kind of take one player over the other. Now, you're right. How, how, the line is so fine, and it is scary, and you're walking a tightrope one good or bad pick makes or breaks a lot of careers in scouting. Especially and in the managing.
2: first, especially in the first round. You can whiff in the sixth round. Of course. First round, though. But guess what? The scouts will tell you you make your money in the sixth round and fifth round and seventh round. That's what that those are the money picks. Here's why. Because they don't have to actually pay them the money.
1: This is one of the best first round, despite some of the busts we were kind of yeah, talking yeah. about. But you rattled off a bunch of high quality Pro no. Bowl level football players, but it, it gets better. Well, look at the watch this go through the mid range. Yeah,
2: here, the I'm just going to r- rattle them off because yeah. these are guys, especially on defense. Mega Fitzpatrick, Vita Vay, Darren Payne, Marcus Davenport, Colton Miller, Tremaine Edwards, <sighs> Derwin James, Jair Alexander, Leighton Van Der Esch, Frank Ragnow, Billy Price, Rashawn Evans, Isaiah Wynn, DJ Moore, Hayden mm-hmm. Hurst, first Calvin round, Ridley, Calvin Ridley, Rashad Penny, Terrell Edmonds, who's playing big time, uh, Taven Bryan, Mike Hughes, Sony Michelle, and Lamar Jackson. At least 20 of these guys are starting and playing big time for this. At least 20. Hold the phone though, because I'm ready to
1: maybe I'm ready to maybe label this one of the best classes in NFL history. Scroll down to that that second round, and I'll rattle off some second round names of the 2018 draft. Go ahead. How quickly do people forget? And, And the way the dominoes fall. Nick Chubb, 35 overall. The Colts hit an absolute grand slam in this draft with Quentin Nelson in the first round. Darius Leonard in the second round. What a monster class for the Colts. Ronald Jones, 38, whatever, he's contributing. Cortland Sutton, 40. Yeah. Harold Landry, Mike Zivner. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Dallas Goddard, 40. MJ Stewart, good game for Tampa Bay. Christian Kirk B- from Texas <laughs> from t- from t- AM.
2: Jesse Bates. Bates can going to have his work cut out for him Patrick Mahomes this week. And, and Dante Jackson is still playing really well. How, about, so how first about, of, I don't like Dante Jackson that much because he, I think he uses speed to overcompensate for what should be technique, but he is still on the field for the Panthers. And, and that's probably just me being a, a but, homer.
1: But you're telling me, Luch, there's no way the third round has any talent left in it. Well, what about
2: D, DJ Chart? He was just hurt this year. Okay. He got hurt early. Okay. He went there. Carlton Davis. Okay. Well, go down, to,
1: go down to round three and tell me, tell me if you're mind blown yet. What do you
2: got in round three here? Yeah, a whole lot. Fred Warner's playing big. Fred Warner, Justin Reed, Lorenzo Carter. Yeah, I see that. Um, Mark Andrews went eighty-six. Sam Hubbard. Yeah, look at that. Look at that, Mark. Michael Michael Gallup from Colorado State. Orlando Brown. Uh, Yeah, Mark Andrews at eighty-six. I mean, what a class. Trey Quan Smith. I mean, and now we're just talking about, you know, guys that, that are playing. Ronnie Harrison went in, went in that one. Um, these, I mean, a lot of these guys have played big minutes. Uh, Ian Thomas, he's still in the league as a blocking tight end, but he's playing. Naheem Hines from, from North Carolina State, still with the Colts. Antonio Callaway. Now, this guy, I think he had potential, but it just, it's just – it's not there – I mean, fourth round now. So anyway, really good draft, Looch. Really, really good draft. And, and, and imagine if we went down to the fifth and sixth round, we find even more nuggets.
1: Well, I'll tell even you how. more. I'll tell you how I'm going to tie this in with, with last week, and we'll segue into uh, week 17. 251st overall, the Los Angeles Chargers in 2018 took a running back from Northwestern named Justin Jackson who was the ultimate free square last week, went off in the Chargers offense. If you picked them up on the waiver wire, you probably had a big boost to your team scoring output. So everything comes full circles. And this might be one of my favorite draft classes in terms of overall talent and depth. And I think you would agree. So let's hear from it, folks. What do you think is the best overall draft class in the last 20 years, you know, since 2000? What do you think about 2018? What if Cleveland didn't? trade all the way up for baker yeah every domino that drops matters let's take a look at this coming week chief i know you want to segue into it so uh, I'll, I'll throw it over to you uh talk to me here any good targetable game environments for DFS first of all
2: yeah man I mean I think when I, when I look over it I think kC Kansas City is it's, it's going to be a big one I'm not going to talk about that because I feel like that's kind of an, dare I say it, an, an obvious play, right? I, I think that's that's an obvious one. Here's one that I think is, will be obvious, but has a, has a little bit more um, oomph to it. Let's go with the word oomph, Luke, and here's why. On Sunday at 425 p.m., the Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys are going to be playing football, and I think this is a big game. Dallas is, is, is you know, leading the division currently, leading currently, uh, and they very well could be 11-5, and, and so could the Arizona Cardinals if they win this game. On, on Sunday. So I think this is a big deal. Um this will not only from a from a watching perspective, but from a DFS perspective, should be fireworks here on both sides. I, I, I can dig it, man. This feels like a really good spot for fantasy here. Um Dak Prescott, because he had such a big game on Sunday and they weren't able to react, he's sixty seven hundred dollars. Kyler Murray is 73. That's still nothing to, to laugh at um, or nothing to, to, to sneeze at. Uh, the receiver, CD's at 71, Cooper 66, Christian Kirk 58. Uh, you know, New Cop has not been able to play. Man, it's terrible. But I mean, they, they've got some options here. Could this be, you know, could, could this be one of the Rondell Moore games? I know he's questionable currently. Um, but could this be a Rondell Moore game where they, they bring the Swiss army knife back out? Not sure. You know, then we've got Zach Ertz at 5,200. Th- th- there's just so many options. He had 13 targets in that game, caught eight balls for 54 yards. Th- th- this, this should be a good one.
1: Yeah. And this is going to be another game to kind of gauge where these teams really are at. And the Cardinals have just been trending so poorly in the second half. Yeah dealing with a lot of injuries, of course. Kyler's been back a couple weeks. They lose DeAndre Hopkins again, but they have wide receiver depth, and you bring in Zach Ertz. It's just frustrating, and you'll listen to the quote-unquote talking heads across the industry, you know, on mainstream television, and they're all already rattling off all the second half, uh, Cliff Kingsbury numbers, and how poor his teams have been in the second half of the season and things like that. I would just tread cautiously cautiously tread that line because as we talked about in the top of the show the 2007 super bowl new york football giants and i'm not like crowning them the biggest jewel crown jewel in the world or anything but they're a team who made it as a wild card lost the last two out of three flipped the switch one uh the four games one of the playoffs were all one score games i believe and were able to grind them out and i'm not saying that's gonna be what happens to the Arizona Cardinals because they haven't given us anything to feel great about the last calendar month of football they were a mess against the Colts an absolute mess and what bothers me more about about that game uh, uh, even more so than the offense is the Colts were down five starting linemen including the monster of Quentin Nelson who didn't play and Indy's reserve reserves took care of business, gave Carson Wentz enough time, and he was not perfect. He didn't play a perfect game by any means. Jonathan Taylor had 100-plus yards, and he had a ton of volume. He wasn't spectacular. But that was a game that the Cardinals should have got, and they didn't. But I'm I, the moral of this is they're not dead yet. When are they going to flip the switch? I don't know. Is it going to be this week? There was a lot of question marks about the Dallas Cowboys coming into this beatdown of Washington. Now, is Washington just the new punching bag with all the issues they've had and are currently having defensively? You know, like the Chiefs just lit up the Raiders twice, but really struggled against Denver, really struggled against Dallas. It's so situational and schedule-based and momentum-oriented that I think this is going to be a very telling game. Like, this is going to tell us if the Cowboys are back back or if they really just don't move the needle and if the Cardinals can give us any hint of positivity here that they can kind of right the ship because it has been a brutal second half. From now, I will say this. Uh, the Cardinals, prior to Saturday's loss against the Colts, We're giving up the seventh most fantasy points per game to wide receivers. And across the last four weeks prior to that Colts game, they were giving up the second most. So it could be a nice week to target, you know, CD lamb, Amari Cooper looked great. So I I do think we could see some points on the outside there. Uh, And, you know, I will say, you know, I do think Dallas does have the slight edge because you can run on the Cardinals. You can, they uh, give up the 10th, Highest percentage of uh, r- successful rushing plays in the league. Fourth most runs of 10 plus yards in the league. They're really bad against defending zone runs. And I don't know off the top of my head. I'm trying to, does Dallas is Dallas a zone team or a gap team? I don't know. But I will tell you in a second because that could be key to uh yeah they're a zone team and they've been pretty bad running the ball you know zone runs this year so i I give the edge to dallas here man i know that's not an un you know that's probably the popular public take after that beatdown of washington but i think it's an uphill battle for the cardinals i'd love to see something to get excited about at arizona though uh what are your thoughts here
2: yeah i mean i think for me you know new copson's not being healthy i think it's a big deal for them down the stretch like Love Christian Kirk, love AJ Green, but none of these guys are New Hopkins, and, and I think New, you know, was going to help open it up for this team, long term, right? As they went deep, when you got to count for New, that helps these other guys get going, and um, I, I definitely think Dallas wins here. Yeah.
1: yeah, like those, uh, like that offense in this game, like CD, like Zeke. Tony Pollard back to spell Zeke isn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, Zeke had a monster game. So, uh, yeah, I I think that's interesting. Tell you what, I think a big injury to monitor here is, I know it's not a super exciting game, but I think the availability of Ramondre Stevenson is huge. Uh, We saw Damian Harris have a monster game. Shout out to the Iceman, Keith Eister, uh, who talked about him on Sunday and also wrote up a bunch of his props on scores and odds. Huge game from Damian Harris. Uh, and they got the Jags. And if Stevenson's out, Harris is 6,600. in a game that the Patriots need. The Patriots need to kind of keep pace. We're playing for seeding now. Uh, big loss to Buffalo. And uh, I think Damian Harris is, is definitely a name to watch here at 6,600. Also, who's going to be available for the Chargers? You know, Austin Eckler should clear protocol. Mike Williams, I'm assuming. I don't know his vaccination status, but. You know, when I started in this industry, I never thought we'd be talking about, I don't know his vaccination status. I don't know how many vaccines he has, but it's so hard to keep track of. So who who's actually going to be available for the Chargers, I think is is critical as well. That Atlanta-Buffalo game, man, I, I feel like there could be points there too. What do you think about rolling out some Josh Allen? I'm sure he'll be super popular against Atlanta at home.
2: Yeah, I'm sure he will be. I mean, you know, listen, he can get it done against anybody. Um, I, I think they'll be fine. The question is how much do they, if, if it gets to that point, how much do they score before they call the dogs off?
1: That's true. And, and, you know, if they keep the pedal to the metal or not, another big headline is Jimmy G has got a messed up finger. More likely than not, we are going to see the Trey Lance experience at, a whopping DK price tag of 4800 against the Houston Texans who are on an absolute heater right now, Chief.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not playing Trey Lance. I, I hate to keep it so succinct, but I'm, I'm just not doing it. There are going to be t- too many other options for me to worry about getting in on Trey Lance shares. Just, just can't do it. I, I'd rather play Davis Mills. 4,800?
1: I don't have a problem rolling out Trey Lance. I don't, with the, with, the, with the rushing upside. Now, I do want to see what his ownership's going to be because I might just choose to flip my build and and look the other way here. I know you mentioned that Kansas City-Cincinnati game. and Maybe we could circle back to that for a second. Like, I guess you have to temper your expectations with Joe Burrow after coming off a historic game against Baltimore. Well, what are your expectations for the Cincinnati team? Realistically,
2: you know, ballpark it for me. What do you want to see out of them? I think they compete and I think they lose. Simple as that for me. Um, They haven't shown me consistency all year. Why would I expect them to suddenly win two big games back to back?
1: Yeah, that's a decent take. I don't totally disagree. On the flip side, in that game, we're gonna get Ty- we're gonna get Travis Kelsey back. So uh, that that's gonna be that's gonna be the game where there probably should be, or where, I'm sorry, where there should where there's going to likely be a bit more ownership than there probably should. I guess, right? Would you? What do you agree with that take? Or am I wrong there? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. They'll be where they should
2: be, where they should be. Okay,
1: that's fair. Just looking at some other prices here. Let's take a quick look at running back and see, uh, you know, what catches our eyes here. I'll I'll rattle off a couple of names that are popping off the sheet. Uh, Speaking of bringing in the new wave and better late than never, but Rashad Penny finally getting RB one volume here. I think the Chris Carson days are well over buck 35 against Chicago. Nice performance from Penny who again, missed a ton of time this year and, you know, it's been a couple of years years. He's been in the league and just couldn't get it together, but 6,100 against Detroit. I think he'll be pretty popular barring any other free squares that open up. And it's certainly possible. That's for sure. I think Elijah Mitchell's availability is a big question. How about miles Sanders? Uh-uh. Broke his,
2: broke his hand. Uh-uh. That, that's a sore spot, man. Uh, just right when you thought he was getting the keys, right, gets hurt. And uh, I, I just feel so sorry for these guys. But that's running back in the NFL, right? You know, if you can't get completely healthy, you're going to keep getting these knick-knack injuries, right? It, so that's why a guy like Derek Henry, who's kind of gone the distance for a stretch, I'm interested to see how he comes off this injury. For many reasons. Yeah.
1: One, because he was arguably the most durable running back I've ever seen in my life. But B, with that foot injury, you know, he's 250 pounds. You know, he's not a buck 80 soaking wet, one of those guys. Yeah. But I root for the guy. You know, I am a fan, but he's just a good guy. He really does, as far as I know, it's not like I know him by name. It's not like I go get a bite to eat with Derrick Henry. But from what I know about him is he works extremely hard. Of course, that's just what I see. Again, it's not like I, you know, text Derrick Henry before I go to bed and say good night or anything like that. But, you know, he seems like a good dude, always in the running for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. He rehabs hard and, and we'll see. We'll see. I don't think he's going to be back this week, but maybe we get a Week 18 uh, Derrick Henry week and, and see what happens there. Let's look at the wide receivers before we kind of wrap things up here. And uh, I want to see if anything catches your attention. Now, the 9,500 tag for Cooper Cup, is he going to still garner a ton of ownership at that price, do you think?
2: Um, I think it depends on how... How they design the lineups. Um, I want to go out on a limb and say he's going to get ownership because he's Cooper Cup. I think that's the best way I can explain it, right? Number one wide receiver in football uh, is getting the actions, going to get the targets. And, and he's got every part of the field where he can get going, Luke, around the line of scrimmage, the intermediate, and the long ball.
1: I think we're at the point of the year and I'm scrolling through for time purposes and and seeing what catches my attention is. We have to take St. Brown extremely seriously. Now look at that volume. He's seeing, getting that matchup against Seattle. Now I don't know if there's going to be any weather. We have to check whether he's going to get Jared Goff back, which I guess is an upgrade, but his role has not changed as the alpha in that offense.
2: Yeah. What are your thoughts on St. Brown? Um, too late for my season-long team. <laughs> drafted him. I, I drafted him. I, I, I knew this guy I had the stuff to play pro. And, uh, you know, it just, it just came a little bit too late. But, I mean, I, I think next season could be a, a good season for him, um, you know, if if they start out the right way. You know what I mean? Like, he's not Megatron, but he is a really good receiver. He should improve drastically over the summer because he's probably going to get a little stronger, right? Probably going to lift more. Probably going to have a lot more film study to prepare. He should be a true number one when he comes back next year.
1: I agree. I agree. How about life after Chris Godwin in Tampa Bay? right now Mike Evans also has COVID Antonio Brown is going to be your cash game lock again we saw the volume he had against Carolina 54% of his team's area out market share as well talk to me here about this situation I know we talked about Tennessee Julio Jones on the COVID list most likely not gonna play At this point, I don't know how much it matters. Again, don't know if there's going to be weather in that Tennessee-Miami game. There could be. A.J. Brown, what a game. Thursday night football. Tannehill stepped up, made some big plays against a pretty good, pretty ferocious front seven. And Tennessee down a bunch of linemen. A.J. Brown had 77% of the Titans' air yard market share. How interested interested are you in A.J. Brown this week against Miami? And does Julio Jones matter?
2: Nah, not really. Um, And it's it's nothing against Julio. It's just... (sighs) Julio's older. um, And guess what? We've seen injuries derail his career the past few seasons, right? Every year, hamstring or foot or toe. So he just... He hasn't been insane. This isn't him and Roddy White. Right? Those days are long gone. And... I, I I think Julio needs to go ahead and consider retiring. Only because it's, it's the injury bug, man, and it's he a, it's can't the, stay it's, healthy.
1: It's the legs, it's the hamstring, it's it's the yeah. cutting, it's the it's the whole nine. And you know they even threw him on injured reserve to let him heal for five weeks and tweaked it again, and then clearly he wasn't very effective against San Fran. now the jury's still out, but if he has one moment in the postseason. Then it'll be worth it'll be worth you know if he can get us there as in the Titans
2: then maybe it's worth it. But here's the thing though, Luchs. I think sometimes these guys probably need two years to heal up. Heal yeah, up, absolutely. They, they probably need the rest of this season, next season, right? The problem is they can't afford to let that paycheck go. But I do think Julio's a guy. He can say, "Look, man, I, I, I just need to take a year and a half off." I think teams would be willing to sign in for some form of a contract if he came back past the physical and they knew he was 100% healthy. That could extend his career another three or four years. I really think Hulia just keeps re-aggravating, right? Anyway, I'm not a doctor. This is just an opinion, people.
1: <laughs> Dr. Chief. Has a pretty good ring to it. Uh, My my Uh gripe here is, can we get Terry McLaurin a quarterback? He's third in the league in area market share. Had 46% of his area market share, of the team's area market share against Dallas. I just am sensing, this is apples to oranges, but an Odell Beckham-like situation here where you just have a couple prime years and not anybody that can sling it to him more often than not. I, I hope Washington finds a guy to get the ball to McLaurin. Uh, that's one of the numbers I'm looking at here as I'm scrolling through some air yard market share numbers. Uh, really a shame. Uh, McLaurin is, is a monster. Uh Kyle Pitts, 46% of his area market team's air yard market share. Uh, huge game for Kyle Pitts. One of the uh, couple of right calls I had this week, which is which is great. Um I guess that's it in terms of air yard market share. Let me just look at target market share quick and see. Week 16, of course, A.J. Brown is going to headline that list. But, uh, yeah, A.J. Brown, 53% of the target market share for Tennessee. Antonio Brown, 50%. And, and here it is, folks. We know Mike Evans is most likely going to be out. And even if he was in, I, I really wouldn't care that much. Uh, Michael Pittman, 42% of the target market share. Uh, Devontae Adams, of course, is up there. Marvin Jones, Thirty-six percent. Don't tempt me with as good. Don't tempt me with a good time. Finally, that's his highest target market share of the season. This is a guy who I thought would contribute a little bit more in the DFS landscape, and I can go all the way back to Week One, Chief, with that Houston Jacksonville game that we thought was going to be a shootout. Ah, that that is uh, something to monitor for sure. What do you mean? Just before we get out of here. What do you, you know, speaking of teams and players that are young and aren't playing for anything, you you think of the Jaguars and and you think of the Jets. And unfortunately for these two teams, they have very difficult games this week. The Jets are at home with with Tampa Bay and Tom Brady and Antonio Brown and Ronald Jones, who will carry ownership. And Jacksonville's on the road to go to Gillette to play New England. (laughs) is anybody fantasy relevant in any or in either of these two teams we have to just like shake our heads and and give a shout out uh terrible injury news with james Robinson. first of all that that's but but for fantasy purposes that is one thing we're gonna have to monitor Uh, you know you probably don't want to target against new england for game script reasons and things like that as well but You you go back to to Travis Etienne, who didn't even get on the field, and now you get James Robinson, double whammy, and and maybe neither of them are are, are ready to start the 2022 season. On top of everything else, that just stinks. But uh, either of these two teams this week, is there anybody that's in the player pool? And uh, do you think either of them have a different approach last two weeks with anything?
2: No, I'm not. Listen, forget it. (laughs) You know I'm not playing anybody from Jacksonville. I, I just... I think I'm just going to stick to the guys that have something to play for and roll with that, man. Like, it's – we're down to the dog days now. Teams are getting ready for the playoffs. I'm getting ready for the playoffs um, just personally. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm fading these bad teams mostly. All right, man.
1: Got anything for story time for me? It's been a while. Do you have any GPP food of the day takes? Let me hear it, my friend. You got anything up your sleeve?
2: Well, I mean, we had some good soul food here over uh, the Christmas break. Collards, collard greens, as, as people call them. And we had some some ham pieces in that. Good old mac and cheese, um, yellow rice, uh, peas, jambalaya. We ha- we had it all, man. Uh, fried chicken, ham. The, the ham this year. Wow, that honey glaze on it. Whew. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. That's... So, I mean, I, I, that's where I enjoyed, you know, for Christmas, and uh, it, it was good. Good stuff, man. Glad
1: you had a good holiday weekend. Our six-year-old here had a funny take. And some of the things these kids say, man, you, you got to love it. It's pure. You know, I'm, I'm sure your kids say a lot of stuff. Um, you know, my grandparents were a big part in raising me, too. Um, my mom, single mom, raised me. And uh, she had to go back to school, got her master's years ago. Totally reinvented herself. So proud of her. Um, and she taught for thirty years. She taught elementary school for thirty years. And uh, that's not exactly what she intended on doing, but um, awesome stuff. And it, you know, I was uh, fortunate to spend a lot of time with my grandparents, and not a lot of people had that opportunity. But you know, they they helped me get to where I'm at, and and uh, and they did a lot of funny stuff for me. I, I tell you, I found a notebook uh, a couple years ago that my grandmother apparently just, it was like six pages, just wrote down dumb stuff that I said as a kid. And some of it was really funny. And it was funny that I actually found this. Like I saw one that said (laughs) 1992, which made me two years old. And it said, Justin was going to the bank with, with his mom. He saw a glove laying in the street and said, look, mom, there's OJ's glove and i'm like you've got to be kidding me and i meant oj simpson but all my grandmother yeah, know thought, all my grandmother <laughs> did was watch like cnn and stuff right so these kids are sponges and apparently you know apparently i picked up on that but anyway so our 6 year old comes home from school before christmas break and says i think i know why we have so many days off i said well, what do you mean he's like you know we have a couple of days off this week and all the days off next week from school and i said yeah He's like, well, it's because if we're super busy on Christmas, you know, and we're going different places, that way I can open my presents on all the other days. <laughs> and we have more time. <laughs> and I just yeah. started laughing because, you know, he uh galaxy brained that thing and then came up with a pretty funny, uh, pretty funny uh solution. And uh what can you do but laugh sometimes, but it was a good holiday weekend and uh, hopefully we could, I gave you guys a couple things to think about, and we want to hear your feedback, especially about the whole draft class thing. It's it's crazy to go back and see where the dominoes have fallen, my friend. And uh, you know, your Panthers uh, have hit some home runs and have whiffed some themselves, and you know, the Cam Newton era was awesome, and you know, McCaffrey's such a fantastic talent. I hope he doesn't fall Listen, into that category
2: of health that we talked he's about. A, he's another one. I'm yeah. I got the bag, but Yeah, McCaffrey's in that same category where, you know, he's had these injuries, hasn't really played much the past two seasons. So I'm actually very concerned. Um, I think we need to use Chuba Hubbard a lot more and uh, get McCaffrey more out in space and and maybe go to some two, two running back packages a little bit more. And that way, you know, he doesn't have to keep taking this punishment all season. And that way they can they can bring him in as a running back, but flank him out as a slot guy. And I think that that could preserve his health a little bit.
1: Let's see, man. I'll be pulling for you. And we'll see if the Panthers spearhead the Russell Wilson sweepstakes or what happens in in 2022. So uh, go check out Chiefs Prop Shop there on the Roto Grinders Discord. And I want to wish everybody a happy new year. We will catch you guys in 2022. So for my guy over here, the Chief Will Priester, I'm the Looch, Justin Carlucci. Enjoy the week. Stay well, everybody, and good luck.